0: Yeah. Come on, come on, come on, come on, not touch me. Babe. Pay your dues and sew your name patch on your jacket. It's time for the twenty seven club. The world's only podcast about the group so exclusive, you have to die to get in. Hosted by your fan club, President Pete, and Treasure PJ. Hey, PJ. I'm PJ. You are PJ. That's very true. Uh, PJ, how are our levels looking? Um, You want to turn the music down a little bit? I would love to turn the music down a little bit. I fucking hate this song. <laughs> how are we doing? Word, it's an exciting day here in very the 27 exciting. Club. We are in person... Uh, for the first time in uh, like a couple of years, really, yeah, uh, recording together. So we're uh, we're back to our old
1: ways with Pete Man and the ones and twos and PJ telling him how to do it. Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. We both have yeah. cans on, which we usually do, but now we've got cans on and it's in person. So. Yeah, exactly
0: right. We're staring at it. We're locking eyes across the dining room table like a uh, like a couple of lovers. Well, we're like two Drakes, certified lover boys.
1: Drake bell from drake and josh Mm -hmm. okay yeah he i don't know how lover boy his certification is underage girls Nice. oh
0: boy (laughs) we're getting straight into it well welcome to the show we're uh we're still you know really this is the doors dudes era of the 27 club yeah Uh, i forgot to introduce us that way but um we're still running through the doors just a couple of couple of jim morrison types here much like poetry
1: back and forth scooby-doo we're running through the doors
0: we're running through the doors we're both shirtless and wearing our leather pants today yeah
1: they start <laughs> do not smell good they
0: don't smell good and i gotta be honest restrictive very, very restrictive. restrictive yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was thinking about going with I the leather one positions yeah, yeah.
1: but they you said know the leather yeah. won't last as long it'll be a little bit more breathable a little bit mm-hmm. more flexible but Yeah. And we really needed longevity in those leather pants. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We don't wash them. We just, I mean, you get them on once, you can't take them off. You got to break it in like a leather glove.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I really, uh, you know, they put spandex in like a lot of jeans now or maybe your khakis and stuff. And Mm -hmm. so I was really expecting when we went to the leather pants store, uh, that there would be some spandexy options something, so that they yeah. just have a little bit of stretch a little bit of give so I can like do some yoga maybe like lift in them or something yeah but uh no nothing doing the leather pants <laughs> the guy looked at me like I was crazy because it's like no leather pants are supposed to be ball crushingly tight yeah. that's the whole point of the leather pants no yeah.
1: speaking of ball crushing and leather um you ever see the Eddie Murphy special raw of course I did who didn't he looked uncomfortable that whole time. Oh, you think so? I do. Yeah. Well, because we just have it on the bottoms, and then we're shirtless. He had not only the leather bottoms to restrict him, but the leather jacket. Yeah, that's true. That is true.
0: <laughs> well, welcome to the show, everybody. Yeah, we welcome. Are, we're we're gonna be halfway through the doors. Uh, career, uh, uh, or should I say their career, with Jim Morrison. I, I think they might have done a Big Brother and released a couple ill-fated albums after he died and then this, faded away I after don't that. I don't know. I thought they did for some reason, but we'll look it up when we get there. Um, but we're halfway through the Doors albums that we are covering, at least. And, uh, you know, it's a, a very interesting time for the Doors is, I think, really the only way to say it.
1: We're getting, oh, we're getting straight into the doors today, huh?
0: I think we got to get straight into the doors.
1: You don't even talk about how I'm visiting your nice home?
0: Oh, sure. So, PJ um, is visiting our nice home, our uh-huh. beautiful home. Yeah. And uh,
1: in foggy old Portland town.
0: Foggy old Portland town. I can, I'm looking through the window right now. There's a lot of uh, cross-country joggers running through behind PJ. And uh, we're just making eye contact, and they're doing the oogly boogly face at me yeah. and stuff, like while they're running, which is crazy. So, oh. it's pretty fun. Aw, thanks, Melanie. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, PJ's just got dropped off um, some new pants. Yeah, he he had to text I his to. Uh, his girlfriend and say,
1: "Oh my bad, Fuck. my he had to text friend. this, yeah, this my friend, my brother." Yeah.
0: And ask for a new pair of pants. Um, although, no, oh, now he's just sliding them over the leather pants, so I'm not sure what the point is. I don't like there. the look of the leather pants, okay. but I've
1: decided I like the feel.
0: <laughs> the comfort is increased. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They're getting more comfortable for you. That's nice. Um,
1: yeah. We've just been running around Portland, uh, doing mm-hmm. Portland things, keeping it weird, of course. Of course. Always. Um, yeah. We swam in the river. We swam in the river. Mm-hmm. We went to this little tiny bookstore uh, around the corner called uh-huh. Powell's Books. Yeah. I don't know if you've right. ever heard of it, but oh boy. Yeah. Um, we ate a donut at some place. It had Mm -hmm. cereal on it. Um, Mm -hmm. magic, the gathering donuts. I don't remember what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, pretty under, underwhelming. Um, and yeah, just the whole time kept it weird. Pretty much. Yeah.
0: That's what we do. You know, and that's really what we do on the podcast a lot. And Mm -hmm. so, um, Oh man, we're getting scary close to a different podcast, uh, different podcast premise. So I think we better back off here. But, yeah, we should back off. Yeah. That, but. <laughs> the Portlandia podcast. Um, of course. So, yeah, so the doors. I got to say, PJ, someone out there in the world is really slacking on the Jim Morrison Wikipedia page. I would it's, agree. So when we go through the artists like this, so I'm I'm looking at the Jim Morrison Wikipedia page, I'm looking at the Doors Wikipedia page, I'm looking at the album-specific Wikipedia pages, and then I'm doing my own research on the side. You've got right? a
1: miniature of uh, yes. Robbie Krieger's Wikipedia. Yes, exactly. Wikipedia.
0: So the Jim Morrison Wikipedia page has... Man, let's call it generously, let's call it like a third of the information that the Doors Wikipedia page has. It's yeah. wild how
1: little... um. How synonymous the two were.
0: Yeah, well just how little in the Jim Morrison one, how little they talk about the doors. Uh it's like a comparatively very small part of the Wikipedia page, which is odd. I don't I don't very know the strange. point of that. You would think yeah. it would have more detail about, about like, a person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So very weird. Um you know, given that he was most famous for being in the doors and that it basically constituted the most uh like not constructive, what am I trying to say? Um like, the most famous thing that he did, literally Maybe. until his death. And it's, like, it's not a very big part of his Wikipedia page, no, <laughs> being a member yeah. of The Doors and his travails within. I mean, he did it so. his,
1: what, entire adult life. Yeah. And, yeah, very little of it. It mentions that he's in it. It does do that.
0: Yes, that's true. They do... That's pretty much all they mention. But he was his, in this thing called The Doors,
1: see here. <laughs> his relationships section is bigger than The Doors yeah, section. Yeah, it's which a lot. Is,
0: it's pretty weird, so... Yeah, so, um, but speaking of Jim Morrison, which it's it's also kind of, it just got me thinking this week too because I feel like we did okay on the Janis Joplin one because she did go solo and like she got hired to be the singer for Big Brother. So it was just always kind of Janis Joplin centric. Right. Whereas on this one, I'm like the last couple episodes, I feel like we really have just been talking about The Doors as a band rather than kind of Jim Morrison as like the, the member yeah. of the band we're talking about. But- that's true. Um I I think that's fine. I mean, he's I at this so point too. he's like he's the face of the band, but he is definitely just a member of the band in a different way than Janis Joplin was. So, I think I think it makes sense to just talk about the band as a whole at least for their first couple albums.
1: Yeah, I think well, certainly. I think so. Um yeah. because well, and he hasn't <clears throat> I mean, there's a point where he goes off the deep end and you're like, yeah. "Oh, the Doors is just Jim Morrison's sh- shitty poetry now." <laughs> Um, but, I, it might've been that way from the start, but I we'll mean, see. <laughs> yes. But uh, when we get there, you'll oh, know. Okay. okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and so, I mean, he is an integral part of the band, but also maybe the, definitely the least talented member. <laughs> I think
0: that's fair to say, yeah. honestly. I don't know. I guess we haven't, we haven't heard anything crazy impressive from John Densmore, but
1: <laughs> that's true. I mean, Robbie Krieger, he wrote all of their hits so far, right? Uh,
0: well, Light My Fire, and then... What was the other one he wrote off the last album that was their other single? Not People Are Strange, but the other one. Yeah. So, yeah, he's written a good amount of their hits. But, um. yeah. So, anyway, but Jim... You know, we talked a little bit last last episode about his first kind of uh, forays into crazy singer land. Yeah. And uh, we get a little extra... A little extra glimpse into that here. So, starting in um, late 1967 is Jim's first brush with the law. Uh, uh, aside from well, that time he yeah. got arrested for being drunk at a football game. Yeah. So, um, his second brush with the law. And that one time that they showed up at the house he was squatting on the roof of and were like, hey man, you're not supposed to be up there. Yeah. And he was like, well, come and fucking get me. And they were like, Okay, and they climbed up and arrested you know, like, yeah, <laughs> like it's not that hard. And he's like, But I'm at the top of a castle keep. What are you talking about? Uh, you can't reach me
1: here. I've got an impenetrable fortress of beans cans. <laughs> yeah, he, he
0: stacked up all the bean cans to stop them. Yeah, and the guy battle. was like, I'll just push them over. It's yeah, yeah. It's, they're empty, man. It's yeah. not like they're heavy. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, so but in December 1967, Jim Morrison's. Yes, as I said, brush with the law. So he was the first rock star to be arrested on stage, Uh, which is pretty wild to me that no one in that like 50s kind of rock country circuit, like the Jerry Lee Lewis, Johnny Cash, Elvis kind of like- They
1: never arrested them.
0: I know. They would shut
1: down shows. True. But But it's just
0: kind of wild that none of those guys, because they were doing a lot of drinking, a lot of drugs, being pretty wild, especially for the time.
1: Yeah. Um, Blowing shit up. Yeah. yeah,
0: and so it's pretty surprising that it took until 1967 for for one of these guys to be arrested on stage. So, uh, so here's the here's the story, PJ, from the New Haven Coliseum or some shit. Uh, so before the show, Jim Morrison, as was his wont, was making out with a female fan in the bathrooms. Which of course, yeah, yeah. Um, backstage, so one of the police officers working the show wandered by. On his rounds and did not recognize Jim as part of the band that was performing. So he was, he said, You darned kids, get out of here. You're not supposed to be here. So Jim told him to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect thing. And so he's So then the cop pulled out a can of mace and said, Last chance, hippie, <laughs> I assume. <laughs> and Jim said, Last chance to eat it. <laughs> like a yeah like a child That's like a great. child fighting with his mom yeah. and the cop maced him <laughs> yeah oh. so i think yeah we could have seen that coming
1: those are strong words flying towards somebody with a can of
0: mace i know right <laughs> uh so he <laughs> no actually it's your last chance to eat it yeah so he uh is that where
1: weirdo got the song from
0: yes absolutely mm-hmm. So he had to recover. The band had to wait about an hour for him to recover enough to play their show. So they were late, obviously, taking the stage. Unclear how much before the show this was and how late they yeah. were. But the crowd was was already a little riled up that they were late at all, I guess. Yeah. So it, was, it took at least a while for them to get on stage. So the crowd was not super happy that they were late. Apparently, the police still wanted to arrest him. And why they wouldn't have done this before the show, I'm unclear on. Like, I guess, you yeah. know, they wanted to arrest him, but they were like, it's not a big enough deal for us to prevent you playing your show. Yeah. But it is, as we'll see in just a minute. So so they were waiting until after the concert to actually arrest him and, and go, you know, take him down to the station and all that. So during the show, Jim, uh, as, again, as is his want as a... <laughs>
1: As an artist. Uh, yeah, right. as
0: an artist, exactly. He starts rambling about the incident over a song, uh, telling the crowd about it and taunting the police <laughs> from of the course. stage. Yeah, exactly. Um, so eventually during all this, they get fed up, rush on stage, arrest him and drag him off.
1: <laughs> what did they arrest him for?
0: Uh, we'll, get, we'll get to that. So while the crowd gets more pissed and unruly... Uh, Both, you know, for waiting and then the fact that the show's being canceled and all that. So he was charged with inciting a riot, indecency, and public obscenity.
1: Huh.
0: Which, let's go ahead and say, uh, indecency is such a vague charge as to be meaningless. Yeah. But the other two are direct results of the initial confrontation. You know, like, those weren't the things, obviously, they were waiting to arrest him for, because they only happened after they were like, we should arrest this. Kid, but we'll let him finish his show. I don't know. Maybe they were just gonna like write him a ticket or something. I guess I don't know how that works exactly. But could a copyright? <laughs> Can a copyright you a ticket for just being a dick to them?
1: I don't know. Well, what do they call that? Yeah, that's uh, resisting resisting arrest. Yeah, 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 yeah. So
0: like maybe that or something. I don't know. So, but the charges were eventually dropped for lack of evidence, which of is course. fair. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Yeah, so that was his first. Wow! Yeah, his first of many brushes as a member of the Doors with the police. So this started a little oh. bit of a trend.
1: Did so were the police opening? Yeah, yeah. Sting around at this point? The early, early version of the yeah. police. It would, they kind of did a Fleetwood Mac
0: thing where it was like an earlier band, right? With, you know, and then they kind of reformed later in the eighties to be this sense. different, year kind of band. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, this is back when they were just a bunch of long-haired dudes doing art rock. Ugh! So gross. Um, so this started a bit of a trend for the Doors and Jim in through 1968, where they had a lot of kind of confrontational, unruly concerts, Mm -hmm. um, several outdoor concerts they played, had confrontation between the fans and the police. Um, and kind of, I mean, a lot of concerts around this time had this going on, like just it was a, a period of unrest. It was a... People were mad. Yeah. People were mad. People didn't like the cops, obviously there was a lot
1: sounds familiar. Yeah.
0: Weirdly this, I, we talked about this a bit on our Altamont episode, but like this was before in era. this was not an era where they would have like specific concert security. So it would just, especially for like these concerts and parks and stuff, it would just literally be either off duty cops or on duty cops, like just showing up to kind of work the show or the hell's angels. Right. And so, and they obviously did not get along with, with the hippies.
1: No. Um, so, they should really stop hiring people who don't like hippies to do security yes. at hippie shows. You would think, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, anyway, so just lots of confrontations though, and it kind of was spurred on a little bit by Jim's rants and stuff on stage. He was yeah, drinking more and more through this year. Um, and so, yeah, that really just became worse and worse. So,
1: how old is he now?
0: Well, he's going to be about 24, I think, 23, 24.
1: That's when I started hating the cops, too. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, So, and now that he started drinking really heavily, he starts, it becomes kind of a thing in the door's circle uh, that he really becomes described as a a Jekyll and Hyde type between sober Uh Jim and drunk Jim because he gets so out of it and so mean and aggressive and everything when he's drunk. Um, that yeah, it's it's one of those things where they're wondering who's going to show up that day between between sober and drunk Jim.
1: Ah, this is uh, familiar. Uh, it sounds like every other member of the Twenty Seven Club. So <laughs> every far other, or... like
0: every other artist we've ever talked. Yeah, about. I guess the Rolling Stones. People never really talk bad about them being drunk or really high. Like they would talk about a, it being yeah. kind of annoying, but they didn't like become. They bad showed dudes. up. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Like people didn't talk about Keith like throwing things around the studio or something when he was on heroin. Like it was more just, he was kind of out of it and like working at a different pace than the band members that were sober and yeah. stuff. So yeah, huh. I don't know. So now let's, let's jump back a little bit. We haven't talked about her yet, but we should cause she um, is a very important part of Jim's life and will factor in very heavily um, to Jim's death. Uh, she'll be very important around Jim's oh, death. No. So, oh no. Let's talk shit. about Jim's. Yeah. Jim's partner, his uh, common law wife, kind of not really, but uh, Pamela Corson is Jim's, Jim's off and on again, uh long-term girlfriend. Uh, so, and I think the first member of the 27 club so far, who's actually had like a long-term relationship, Brian Jones, kind of like he and Anita were together for, Three or four years, maybe? Yeah. Two or three years?
1: Um, yeah, I think so. I think yeah. you're right. So, but he. And as we know, Alan Wilson was notoriously bad with women. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: um,. So Jim and Pamela met in 1965 when her and a friend stumbled into the London Fog. They definitely thought it was a different place and went to the wrong bar. Oh, and we're like, who's this piece of shit band? But (laughs) so they met at London Fog and had yeah an on again, off again relationship until he died. But the on again parts, at least, were like very serious. Like, um, yeah, they were very, very close with each other the off again parts were more due to just, they were really intense people and kind of volatile. Like as we talked about with his drinking and stuff. And she also, I think drank and did some drugs. Right. Um, and then they both also just, they slept around a lot and were, you know, just wild partying hippies. Of course. So, you know, that kind of naturally led to them being together or not together, but people around her or around them, uh, like, just recognized the whole time, I guess, that, yeah, she was basically Jim's, the closest person to, to Jim. Yeah. Uh, Ray Manzarek called her his other half, and Jim dedicated his book of poetry to her. A bunch of Dora's songs are supposed to be about her.
1: Yeah, so that makes sense.
0: Even though they're kind of off and on, and Jim, like, obviously is making out with female fans backstage all the time. Yeah. Um, well, it is the most, was the at 60s. least so far in the 27 Club, the most committed relationship I think we've run across.
1: Well, I mean, Janice Joplin did get married, but for like a day. Oh yeah,
0: right. Or did she just get engaged in Texas and then break it off? I think she well, got no, engaged. she got engaged
1: in Brazil, right? Or something crazy. Oh. But then she married that kid who was like 19 or whatever. They
0: were just engaged when she died. Like, I think engaged? they were just engaged. Yeah, the college kid. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And they also weren't together that long, I think. Like, no. Maybe a year at the most, so anyway so but speaking of jim sleeping around here's some other of his famous flings Ah, so apparently he slept uh or saw i unclear whether this is a one-time thing or kind of a short-term relationship but Mm -hmm. uh saw nico from the velvet underground good for him uh, grace slick uh from jefferson airplane we've talked about and allegedly 27 club member janice joplin i wouldn't be surprised So it's apparently, it's still kind of an unconfirmed rumor whether they actually slept together. Mm -hmm. Um, But David Crosby apparently had a story in some book of his at some point that seemed to fuel the fire or fuel the rumors that there was like more than them just, you know, being, uh, or that there was more to their relationship than just, you know, kind of crossing rock stars. So there was a party that David Crosby was at where Janice and Jim were there too. Uh, So they were apparently hanging out and talking and then they got into a fight. God.
1: That'd be either the best part of yet or the fucking worst.
0: Yeah, so they got into a really intense fight about something, and Janice hit him over the head with a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and then from then on, she apparently would only call him that asshole, no name anymore. So, yeah. it's Anyways, a, right. kind of fueling the rumors that maybe there was some sort of romantic thing that Jim ruined. And if that's you
1: know, what romance is, romance is <laughs> dead.
0: Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, thought that was interesting. So our like, every Twenty Seven Club member is tied together so far. Yeah, I think every much. person except Robert Johnson we've talked about has like worked with or slept with or like done something Been with. with yeah, yeah, a different Twenty Seven Club. I get maybe Alan Wilson. Alan didn't Wilson cross over with anybody?
1: Hmm. I feel like there was something we mentioned. Maybe I like mean they was... played Monterey
0: Pop, but like everyone did.
1: Yeah. I don't know i feel like there maybe was something was too featured maybe on something i don't remember
0: anyhow uh so in 1968 um the the doors also speaking of the, all their their touring and shows they head to england and europe for the first time uh leaving the states mm-hmm. and they do pretty well uh like their shows go well their new album that is out uh waiting for the sun that we're going to talk about that comes out while they're on tour over there and does really well in europe and england okay um, and yeah, they do great except, uh, that one show in Amsterdam when Jim collapsed on stage in the middle of the show.
1: Was he too high? <laughs> because
0: yeah, he did too much weed, hash and pills in Amsterdam. <laughs> Couldn't handle it. His little body.
1: Yeah. You can't really send a kid into a candy shop, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs>
0: yeah. So anyway, so yeah. So in April of 68, they start recording their third album, Waiting for the
1: Sun. Did you know that Pamela Corson also died at 27?
0: I did not. Yeah, That's pretty fascinating. I knew she died young and after Jim, but I didn't know yeah. it, it was 27. That's mm-hmm. wild. Uh, a somewhat fraught recording for Waiting for the Sun. So as we talked about, Jim was drinking very heavily at the time um, and was very pissed the whole time that they were working on the album because of many reasons. So... The first reason is that they did not have a lot of songs when they came into the studio. Right. So they, Ray Manzarek called it the third album kind of slump, where their first two albums were filled with songs that were either part of their initial like Whiskey A Go Go set, those co- some yeah. covers we talked about, or all the poems that Jim wrote on the rooftop that they turned into songs were all kind of gone. Like they ran through all those. And since they'd been touring so heavily promoting their first two albums, they hadn't had time to write anything. So they got into yeah. the studio and really didn't have new songs or songs they were excited about. Hmm. Except, so there was a lot of pressure to write songs. Yeah. But except they had one song that Jim was very excited about called Celebration of the Lizard. <laughs> yeah,
1: that sounds like fucking Jim Morrison, my guy.
0: It was a 17 minute long, seven part epic. That included spoken word poetry, singing, and allegorical storytelling.
1: So does he, when he writes a song, let's say. <laughs> Quote, unquote. Yeah. Um, does he, like, have these words in his head, and he's like, and then, Ray, you're going to be like, bah, 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 and then on the drums, you just do your thing. But yeah. then the guitar line's going to be like, woo. You know, I don't like, think
0: Jim leads that much. I think Ray is like, I think he's so the you composer, just start right? rapping and then yeah. I'll start playing something and like everyone else kind of falls. In. I think my guess would be that, yeah, they just kind of jam a little bit and like work it out. And yeah. then, yeah. And then kind of come up with like, you know, and then they're like, oh yeah, that that part really works. Let's try that again. But like, that's a good melody yeah. that you stumbled across, or whatever. Like,
1: but yeah. then how does he have these ideas where it's a seven-part epic? Like... I think it's
0: a lot of him being high and jamming on stage and yeah. <laughs> just ranting, and then impressively they remember a 17-minute song to redo the next. Like, that's wild to me. Just, yeah. I guess they got to write that down. But <laughs> anyway, so so they try to record Celebration of the Lizard, um. Uh, but it doesn't go very well it's like too difficult to record because it's really long they want to do too much technical stuff like uh, anyway just doesn't work and then paul rothschild their um uh producer producer, uh is like well it's not really a huge loss because no one's gonna want to listen to this so (laughs) yeah (laughs) let's not worry about it um and so but jim's really pissed because he feels like you know, Celebration of the Lizard doesn't even work. Paul's not a fan of it. The other band members aren't trying very hard. Like so,
1: I wouldn't either. Anyway,
0: so he's not very happy this whole time. Um, John Densmore, the the drummer, leaves one day out of frustration, like halfway through recording. Yeah, I would too. They're just so obnoxious. Uh, while they're recording 5 to 1, Jim, uh, the take that is on the album, Jim was so drunk that studio assistants had to help him keep it together to like finish the take, <laughs> his vocal take <laughs> for 5 to 1. Um, so it's not, yeah, it's not a great time in the studio and the album does really well, sells really well. Like we talked about, it does well in, in yeah. the UK and in Europe, it goes to number one. It's their only number one album in America, which is wild to me. I can't believe like LA woman even wasn't, I don't know the doors that well, but I've heard of some of their albums. I've never heard of this one. Yeah. I can't believe it it's went to number one.
1: shocking to me. Truly.
0: And then, so it does really well. It does not do that re- well critically, and the band isn't a huge fan of it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll get to it, but it's, it's definitely not, yeah, they're not firing on all cylinders here. So, hmm. yeah. Um, oh, one more thing about Celebration of the Lizard is that, so it was a gatefold album with all the lyrics printed inside, and somehow the band convinced Electra, I guess they printed all of the lyrics for "Celebration of the Lizard," even though the song wasn't on the album. They still printed all the lyrics inside. <laughs> I guess That's Jim was so proud so of that poem, dumb. that poetry. Yeah.
1: Have you ever read any of Jim Morrison's poetry? No. We should take a look at it. Sometime. I can't even
0: read regular po even even good poetry quote unquote good poetry. I still am like I don't quite get this, and it feels.
1: I like Shel Silverstein. He's got <laughs> yeah, no funny there you pictures.
0: Go. Yeah. So I can't imagine bad poetry, yeah, anyway.
1: <laughs> By a fucking hippie.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's Waiting for the Sun. Um, should we do our um, our new... Segment? Our new segment on the show, the yes, Rolling Stone review time? Let's do it.
1: Once upon a time, you're so fine. Through the bumps of diamond in your
0: prime. Uh, so, yeah, Rolling Stone review. Thanks, Jimmy, for playing us in, man. Ah.
1: So the Rolling Stone review
0: is very funny.
1: Isn't it crazy? So we, we talked about this last time when we played yeah. this song for Rolling Stone review about the doors. It's just such bitter music. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. So Rolling Stone did the fun thing that I, we keep comparing it to Pitchfork, but um, the Rolling Stone does the fun thing where... Different people reviewed the first two albums, and then a different person reviews the third album and has a completely different opinion on the first two albums.
1: Consistency.
0: As we talked about, so they reviewed the first album pretty well. They liked it. The second album, their consensus, the reviewers' consensus was that it was basically the first album, but a little bit better. Better, yeah. Like, the songs are a little more polished, recording was a little bit better, the instrumentation was better. Yeah. Yeah. This album's take is that, well, let's get to it, this reviewer's take. So this is by Jim Miller. It was published September 1968, a couple months after the album came out he starts with a story about frank zappa covering the end like kind of in a Mm -hmm. joking way and how it was refreshing because the doors are so serious that like yeah yeah like they should have a little bit of self-awareness and levity about them but um so yeah uh but they end he ends that little story with saying with hoping that uh one would hope for some sort of musical growth from jim morrison uh, but if the new record isn't terrible, it isn't particularly exciting either. <laughs> so yeah, they have nice things to say about the music or like the the instrumentation and everything, yeah. uh, but the real problem is Morrison, for the doors have come to be structured around him, so there are no extended solos to speak of, which is a pity considering the band's skill. Um, on this album, Morrison doesn't seem to sing as well, probably because of the drinking, um, but more important is his lack of subtlety. <laughs>
1: Wow. Yeah. yeah.
0: So they point out some good tracks. They like Spanish Caravan uh, and Not to Touch the Earth. Um, and a couple other ones where they point out some good guitar work and stuff and keyboard work. Um, but... Let's see. Uh, so here's the the summation. Waiting for the Sun is a respectable, respectable, if unimpressive, third album. It at least represents an advance over strange days. Here's where you get where we get to the weird oh. yeah, disconnect between the reviewers, uh, which had the knack of sounding like the first Doors album, only not as good, which is the opposite of what the Rolling Stone review said of the yeah. second album, which is it sounds like the first album, but better. But better, yeah. So whatever. Anyway, fine. Nevertheless, I mean, look, everyone's high. Yeah. <laughs> they don't true. remember. No one's going into the archives
1: to double check if there's an editorial exactly. through line yeah. on the Doors. Sarah, uh, Yeah. <laughs> They're doing that crazy sixties coke at this yeah, point. So exactly. You know. So nevertheless,
0: the Doors are not a particularly exciting hard rock band, and Morrison is something like rock music's equivalent to Rod McCune. Cool sixties reference we don't get yeah. anymore. <laughs> Whether all this adds up to the praise that has been heaped on the doors is open to question. As for the music, Great Rock it isn't, but then Morrison is supposedly our generation's sex symbol. So the cover is pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, interesting review. Um I think you know we'll obviously get into the track by track and our thoughts. I think he's right on and being a little unimpressed by the album. Yeah, but not for the reasons that he talks about. So we'll, we'll get um. there for some of the reasons, but not entirely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was gonna say I I don't disagree with any of it though. Sorry. Yeah, true. So I just had to apologize to Peter for touching his foot with my foot, and it's the
0: first time that's really ever happened <sighs> to us. Wow. So that's been. Rolling Stone review, and uh, should we take a quick break and come back for our track-by-track?
1: Track? Let's take a quick break and come back to our track-by-track.
0: Track. All right. We'll be back in just a moment to talk about Waiting for the Sun. My
1: wild love went riding. She rode all the day. She rode to the devil
0: And I And welcome back to the 27 Club. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were talking off. We were just talking during the break and having yeah. such a laugh. Just a grand old time. Yes, a grand old time at the Grand Old Opry. Oh, I wish. Um, Do you think the Doors ever played the grand- <laughs> Well. Oh,
1: man. Didn't they play somewhere weird like... Carnegie Hall or something? No, that was somebody Maybe. else. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, was it... The Stones that we talked about, who played the Royal Albert Hall or something, and then yeah. they like got rock bands banned from there for a few years that because their Stones. show was like yeah. too raucous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the Doors definitely wouldn't have done
1: well there. It's like when Janet Jackson pulled out her breast at the uh, well, really Justin Timberlake. Yeah, I was gonna out. say it's like yeah.
0: when Janet when Justin Timberlake sexually assaulted a woman was immediately forgiven for it when yeah. everyone else blamed the woman. That's true on and live TV.
1: It's like that, and then they just got. Classic rock guys for about six years. Yeah, exactly. Um, Paul McCartney the next year. And yeah. then it was the Stones. And then it was Prince. And then it was Bruce B. 2 Coldplay. Tom Petty, you too. Yeah. Wait, was
0: Coldplay? I feel like Coldplay did it. Probably. Someone did. Or Maroon 5. Maroon 5 is what I'm thinking of. And it was somehow controversial that Adam Levine was shirtless. Yes. Which is wild. Yeah. Just ridiculous.
1: Anyway. Well, it's because people thought he looked like the jokester with all his tattoos. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was the problem. So let's, uh, so we're moving into Waiting for the Sun. Uh, as we said, The Door is only number one album. The, uh, or at least in the US, I don't think they ever have a number one UK album. This went to number 16 on the UK charts. Uh-huh. The singles, uh, The Unknown Soldier was the first, no, 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 Hello, I Love You was the first one, and it went to number one on the Hot 100. Uh, and then The Unknown Soldier was the second single, and it went to 39 on the Hot 100
1: huh yep the second single was Unnold soldier y- yeah you dude don't what? even get me started the goddamn <laughs> i barely way.
0: understand how that song made how it onto on the, the album. album much less was their second choice for <laughs> wow. the single yeah
1: not even a b set or well it was, was a an a side, a side. Yeah. wow anyway <laughs> so man those doors
0: you know. be wild and- so the album cover for it there's not really like Uh, Anything to say about it In terms of like there's no story about it or anything I just want to cover it because I Really really like it it's definitely My favorite album cover of theirs so far And maybe ever like I was scrolling through Spotify the other day Looking at the future albums and uh, So anyway
1: Um, They don't have a single album that's not just A a picture of them on the cover I don't think That's
0: true but I this one is cool To me so it's it's the doors In their classic doors font With like the line in all the letters and then it's the four of them standing in this field while the sun is i'm gonna say rising i'm gonna say they got up early for this instead of it being the sunset
1: i i think that's You think it's the sunset optimistic yeah
0: Um, (laughs) no i think it's like between the buttons they stayed up all night and this is the morning after a long night of drinking and I like that. Yeah, so it's all four of them just like standing on this hillside with the sun kind of coming up and then waiting for the sun is in a really nice psychedelic kind of italicized font. And I don't know what it is about it. I just, I find it a very pleasing album
1: cover. Should we do a quick uh, Beach Boys, Who's Your Toy? Rolling Stone, Oh, yeah. Should we do a quick The Doors, Who You Whore? I don't know.
0: Wait, let's actually think of it because D, like, there has to be something Uh alliterative about Doors. Yeah,
1: Which of these Doors dudes do you want to dick down?
0: (laughs) Yeah, who'd you dick down from the Doors? Who'd you dick down from the Doors? Uh, Sure, let's find a Doors song real quick to play about that. (laughs) Uh, All right, so yeah, we're looking at the Doors Waiting for the Sun album cover. So this actually will be good too, because this will give us a chance to learn who any of the members are because I don't I made a joke about like Rayman Eric having a crew cut or something and they don't they're all definitely hippie looking guys yeah but Raymond's Eric so has, I know for sure Rayman Eric is the one right next to Jim right because yeah. he has the glasses and then who's the far left though is that Krieger or is Krieger the far right
1: uh Krieger is far uh well are we our left or our right Looking at the album cover. I think uh, Krieger's far right.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Interesting. So John Densmore is the tallest one, or he's just the closest to the camera.
1: That could be. Oh, no, 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 no.
0: Other way around. John Densmore is the one who's slightly balding. (laughs) Let
1: me see. I mean,
0: look, the guy who's slightly balding and short seems like he should be the drummer.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. I think that that's that's, uh, Densmore. Okay, gotcha. I think the other guy's Krieger, but let me... So let me
0: say... First of all, kind of like the Rolling Stones, none of them are particularly attractive.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, Jim Morrison was a sex symbol at the time.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I will say it really just comes down to who were you least offended about boning and uh, or dicking yeah, down. Excuse me. Yeah, that's fair. And I think it's Jim, although, God, his personality.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean, It'd be so rough You would definitely regret it the next day You'd wake up and he'd be like So, did you like my poems? And you're like, what are you even talking about? What happened last what? night? <laughs> yeah,
1: I wrote them on your labia and your lipstick <laughs> Oh boy I don't have a labia, of
0: course Yeah, I was gonna but... say For us, it's yeah, a ring around our buckle <laughs> um, Yeah, so they're all kind of hippie looking dudes Raymond's Eric's wearing like a full suit Which is kind of funny
1: I like his suit too And a bow
0: tie, right? Looks like it's a bow tie
1: well, that wouldn't be surprising. He was kind Sorry. of... um He was like the most clean cut of them. Um As far as it goes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not a clean cut guy per se. However, he's also like the... I don't know that he did that many drugs. Yeah. Um I think he was kind of... I don't know, pretty straight edge, I want to say. And he was yeah. still very with it as an old man. That's um, true. Oh, I am so wrong. Robbie Krieger is... The weird short guy. Okay, there we go. Um, Makes beautiful music, but not a beautiful man. No, that's mean. <laughs> and yeah, I mean Jim Morrison for being a sex symbol, he's kind of not a yeah. good-looking guy. He's got a cool outfit on.
0: I agree. Well, I think he's one of those people that gets really far, just based on like the fact that he's moody. You know, he's yeah. always brooding and dark right. and serious and interesting. Like there must be, uh, you that's know, deep thoughts happening Hitler. behind those heavy brows yeah um well then i take it all back john densmore actually might be my personal most attractive person then in in the doors i that i would want to dick down he kind of looks like a member of the kinks like he's got a weirdly big nose and he kind of has the like the hair the hippie hair where it's almost long but not quite you know like he's definitely still growing it out uh but
1: yeah i don't know I want to say Ray Eric I think he's my number interesting. One. Yeah, I yeah. don't love the facial hair, but he. Yeah, he
0: has the giant mutton chops, which are a cool look. But I don't really want to like make out with someone where like when you get to their cheek, it's hair all of a sudden. But yeah. there's no hair around the lips. It's just kind of weird. No, it's got to be. Yeah, it doesn't. It's seem the same nice. reason
1: I don't like a landing strip, Peter. Sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I he's. I like his outfit the most. I like that he's That's pulling true. off the glasses this early on. His glasses look nice. He's got like the rimless glasses, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's a nice look. Well, and he's he's got a really nice jawline. Sure. I mean, you can't really see it in this picture. I'm looking at a very zoomed-in in, image. Uh-huh. Uh, no bow tie, by the way. Um, oh, okay. But he, um, I don't know. I think he's the most, if he had a different haircut, like yeah. put put any of the other members' hair on his body, I think, I think I'm going to like it the most. Yeah. But I don't know. He seems like he'd appreciate it after you dick him down.
0: Nice. Yeah, true. All right. Well, (laughs) that has been Who'd You Dick Down from the Doors with the Doors Dudes. So let's get into the track by track. Uh, The very first track, the lead off, single lead off track from Waiting for the Sun. Hello. I love you.
1: Is that the first song? Yes, it is. I love this keyboard tone It's, it's awesome Maybe I listened to this album on shuffle or something uh,
0: So this song, when it came out Was accused immediately of being a copy of All Day and All of the Night by the Kinks Oh, yep. yep So I found in two separate places I don't know which is real One is that the Kinks didn't sue And the other is that they did And get all the royalties to this song Because it definitely sounds like All Day and All of the Night Yeah The Doors' defense, by the way, when the Kinks accused them of copying their song, was that, no, 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 we are trying to sound like Sunshine
1: of Your Love. Wow.
0: (laughs) Which is ballsy. We are trying to copy a different song, not your song.
1: That's like, uh, there's that guy from um, that TV show. Oh, shit, what was it? Young Sheldon? Yeah, Young Sheldon. No, there was some actor um, who... He was accused of killing a woman, and he said, Mm. No, that's impossible. I couldn't have shot her to death because at that exact time, I was going back into the restaurant because I left my gun there. (laughs) And I think he was acquitted. Yeah. I think they were like, Good point.
0: Yeah, that's wild. Um, All of the copying and sound alikes aside, I really like this song. It's just like, it's kind of, it reminds me of something from their first album. Uh, Like break on through Where it's like unabashedly Like pretty poppy But with like The keyboards are kind of funky And like Jim is doing the fun Kind of screaming thing A little bit Like yelling his words And like I I like it It's a very fun song Nice and upbeat It's it's sugary as hell But it's This one's
1: good It is definitely A kink trip. Yeah Um, It sounds not like Sunshine of Your Love at all to me No Um, Yeah this is the best song On the album I would say uh, yeah, it's up there for me. It's, dope. Mm, it's the best one. We
0: move right in uh, to a song we just heard during our last segment. Uh, we move right in to Love Street. Uh, again, uh, one of the love songs written about Pamela Corson.
1: Uh-huh. Robert Blake. He was the guy. Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: Again, I really love the keyboards on this song. Like, It's a very pleasing tone to me, and I really, yeah. Um, and I also like Densmore using the ride symbol, mm. like but very lightly, like he's in the inside part, the little dingy yeah. part of the symbol. I don't know. I really, really like this song. I think this is my favorite song off the album. I like how relaxed it is, and I love, yeah, all the instrumentation. Like I said, and I think it's a fun. I don't know. It's very '60s, but I like it. I really. It reminds me of like. Something the Rolling Stones would have written, like, what was that song? Uh, you go while I look this song
1: up. I, I don't know if I listened to this song on shuffle or on this album on shuffle or not. I, for some reason, I remember the Unknown Soldier being the first song.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, you must have listened to this on shuffle, man.
1: But maybe I uh, just re- that one stuck out in my mind because it yeah. annoyed me. Um, no, because Love Street's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I didn't remember it being two pretty good songs right in a row. Yeah,
0: yeah. I uh, so this song's not as like dark as this, but it kind of reminds me of like "Don't You Bother Me" by the Rolling Stones. Like, that was okay. the one where it was like he was sleeping with this lady who was this socialite in London, and then she kept calling his house when he Ugh. was with his actual girlfriend. You can't do that. So, yeah, yeah. But and I like yeah his lyrics or his his vocal take is nice here, doing the, she lives on Love Street. Like, I don't know, I, I this song to me is like, still kind of after the last album, like very fun, good Doors music to me. And we will get to that. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: I like this song. I
0: like yeah. this song fine. Let's get to Not To Touch The Earth, third track. Uh, so this one was originally, this is the only complete section of Celebration of the Lizard that they got recorded, and they ended up being so short on songs that they threw this on here, Not to Touch the Earth. So uh, so imagine this is part of a 17-minute-long song.
1: Imagine this is a 3-minute-and-56-second song.
0: Imagine listening to this song and liking it.
1: Yeah. Once um,
0: again, though, the keyboard... Now is is awesome. Like the keyboards are really cool. Yeah, I mean the weird, like kind of fluctuating, out of tune. They will always sound. be good. There's yeah.
1: not been a song where I've been like, eh, keyboard doesn't sound good on True. that one. But this song sucks.
0: Yeah, it's not great.
1: Um, and now I'm remembering, I did think I think I listened to it right because <laughs> I remember getting this one and being like, oh, I don't like it.
0: Yes. Yeah, this album Nosedives dives for me. Hard yeah. after the first two songs, like it—it it just absolutely falls off a cliff.
1: It's a no song, and there's no. Yeah, it doesn't come back up ever. This song is not. Sorry to spoil great. it for everybody. You know how
0: but... we talked about Crystal Ship and where I was like, it's kind of fun because it's like the intro to this prog rock, like kind of yeah. epic song, but they just cut it off. Like they just do its own. They do it as its own thing. Mm-hmm. This song sounds like absolutely it was cut out of the middle of this long yeah. proggy epic song. But it sounds like it. Like it doesn't work with, no, with no other context, and it's like it just feels very tuneless and like it just starts and ends with like what did we even do? So,
1: yeah, and then like the whole thing with the keyboards is they just get more dissonant as you yes. go on throughout the song, and I don't, I hate, I'm fine with like a dissonant chord if it's like two different instruments, but if it's the same yep. instrument, it just stresses me out and I don't like it.
0: Yeah, like this is the chorus and it's not interesting or catchy. Or no. All right. Let's get to "Summers Almost Gone," the first of two seasonal songs we get in a row, which I think shows the writer's block they have in the studio. Yeah. What if we did a summer song? Oh, but then what if we also did a winter song? Like would Paul had to talk much, them yeah. out of doing fall or spring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it would be too much no. to. Uh... No. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> what if we just did a
1: seasonal song cycle at the end? Yeah. Come on, it'd be great. Ray, do you have a noise on that piano that's just leaves falling?
0: <laughs> so we get some more Robbie Krieger slide guitar, which is kind of nice, but L- really I would unimpressive. I that's the only nice yeah. thing on this song.
1: Oh, you know what? I did like the use of an actual piano. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the the thing I have to say about this song, but because I don't remember the slide guitar on it, it's yeah. not very. It's just like weepy, like woos. For me,
0: this album is back to the thing, the back half of their first album, where it's just a lot of very forgettable songs, like just stuff where you're like, I know you wrote it, and I know you probably worked really hard on it, but as soon as I'm done listening to it, I don't remember anything that happened. Yeah. And that's really the last one and this one, feel like that.
1: Uh, Yeah, this makes me kind of wish they used like actual upright piano on more songs, because I really like the piano. But mm-hmm. I do not like this song.
0: Yeah. Well, and like I actually honestly didn't notice this, but the Rolling Stone review did point it out that like all the instrumentation is just backing instrumentation. There's yeah. really
1: not really a you an get a bit of a piano solo, solo yeah.
0: here. It's not very good.
1: No. <laughs> But I like I that think piano does tone. Raymond Zarek
0: not realize he's
1: supposed to be soloing here. He's like, "Why are you not singing?" I'm well, just playing an organ, part. so he's like, he's he's playing the notes yeah. and he's expecting them to be held and they're not. <laughs> they don't sustain at all. Yeah. I mean, that's a nice little riff was, to end yeah.
0: the nothing of a solo yeah. that just happened.
1: It does sound like there was supposed to be something else, and they're like, all right hey, well, if yeah, we'll they have like Robbie forgot come come to, to yeah. track
0: a guitar solo over it. They forgot to go record that <laughs> later." Alright, let's get to Wintertime Love, which I don't hate quite as much.
1: I don't like it. Listen, It's to the kind of a waltz thing. I mean,
0: the lyrics suck, but I don't think I'm ever going to love Dora's lyrics, except for People Are Strange, and Love Street I do like. <clears throat>
1: Summer's almost gone, summer's almost gone, almost gone. Yeah, it's almost gone.
0: Okay, I like this part of Wintertime Love though. Like this melody is pretty decent. So the thing with this album too, that I it's like definitely a step backwards is that we talked about their first album not being recorded very well and just kind of feeling thin and like, you know, yeah. cardboardy, especially like a lot of the drums and stuff. Their second album, they really upped the technical level of recording. The song sounded a lot. Even if it was the same amount of instruments, it just sounded a lot there was nicer and like depth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The song sounded like there was a lot going on and there was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. This one feels like they kind of, it's still recorded pretty well, but they went back to the first album in terms of it just sounds very plain. All the backing instrumentation sounds plain. The songwriting isn't like super good. So it's just a very bland album so far.
1: Yeah, very flat. They all mm -hmm. seem to stay on the same kind of tone. Like there's not a wide range. They're all very mid-tempo
0: too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get to The Unknown Soldier. So a song I think they were very proud of Like, there was a lot in the Wikipedia page about how they recorded this song, to which all I could think was, who gives a fuck how they recorded it? But, like...
1: Turn it up a little bit?
0: Yes. That keyboard sounds cool, but... (laughs) It does. That's just our new thing, It's just... It's like on Jimi Hendrix. During Jimi Hendrix, it's just every song like that's a cool guitar line. Every yeah. song here, it's like, oh, nice keyboards. Oh yeah, the <laughs> doors do
1: organ well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So who was it? Someone famous? I feel like helped them mix it or something. What am I thinking?
1: So did they just like go to Washington D.C. on their sixth grade field trip and they learned about the yes. the Tomb of the fall Unknown Soldier or whatever? So and they were like, I think they were his song about it. That's pretty neat. PJ, the
0: Unknown Soldier has been perceived as Jim Morrison's reaction to the Vietnam War. Duh. Morrison was inspired to write the lyrics after visiting the Tomb of the <laughs> Unknown Soldier. <laughs>
1: oh.
0: Yeah. Wow, I nailed it right on the end. Yeah, for a band that, like, is both such a central part of the counterculture and a guy whose dad is, like, literally part of the war that everyone's so against, Yeah, this is the most milk toast like, just eighth-grade level, oh, war-, war is bad, man, kind of yeah. take on Vietnam. It is wildly shitty. It's very bad. Like, it's just, it's both on the nose and says nothing at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: which yeah. Is,
1: which is hard to do. It's, it's a lot like... um uh, Mike Love writing this song about... Yes, um, the Dem- student, demonstration student demonstration time. Student demonstration Exactly,
0: time. yes. Um, yeah, boy, this song is, is dumb. But we'll keep listening a little bit, because, I mean, I don't know. I
1: hate this fucking song, man.
0: I mean, I, I can't blame
1: him Total Vision, Children Fair... What a goofy ass song. Well, no, the song.
0: I mean like technically especially for the 60s this one is kind of impressive like it took a lot of effort to record all this stuff in a way that like yeah is cool but it's like they did it for a bad song so I'm yeah not impressed. they did and
1: it didn't really pay off you right. know exactly yeah
0: so spanish caravan so this is where we get a little robbie krieger uh spanish guitar yeah he gets to Flamingo. bust out the old classical git fiddle here yeah
1: and I will say, he is very good at flamenco guitar. He this is, is incredibly impressive. Yeah. yeah.
0: This is also one of the very few Doors songs I had heard of before we started this show. Mm-hmm. And I was aware of, I thought, as like a classic great Doors song. Yeah. No. I, I was I was about to be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it starts out great.
1: Yeah. I mean, that Rolling Stone reporter kind of hit it on the head with like really great instrumentation. Don't get me yes. wrong. That's good. Is anything else good, though? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would just listen to this instrumental. Yeah, they're
0: doing a little bit of, like, the Rolling Stones thing from Emotional Rescue where they did that Indian girl song that's about South America, and they're like, what if we did it, like, like Latin, though? Because it's about South America. And this just feels like, again, they had no fucking songs. So they were like, what if we did, like, you know flamenco guitar, right? What if we just did like a Spanish song? Yeah. And just that was the only idea for the song. Truly. Especially, literally, the first lyrics are, take me to Spain. Yeah. okay, cool, Jim.
1: I mean, this would be a really good song if Jim Morrison could keep his mouth shut.
0: Yeah, but it was just an instrumental. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, is it more damning to be so out of ideas that this is the song that shows up or that you just do this song with no words on the album? Which one is more representative of you having no ideas?
1: Uh, I don't know, man. It would seem more purposeful if it didn't have words.
0: You're not wrong.
1: Uh, and then this, yeah. I can imagine being stoned in the 60s and listening to this album being like. Whoa. Alien noises. Yeah. But.
0: Yeah, once again, like it's. It's hard technical yeah. production, like very interesting, but it's again they're wasting it on just like very boring music. Yeah,
1: Rayman's Eric is a very good organ player.
0: Ooh, Ooh. is that theremin? Ooh. Or it's just
1: somebody doing that thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I cool. don't know what it is. It's
0: cool sounding. Like again, yeah, like that's for the time that is super advanced yep. shit. That and might it's be theremin. Just yeah. Meh <laughs> but you, you just don't care.
1: No, not at all.
0: My wild love.
1: Peter thought I was going to love this song. I,
0: I did, man. You know what it reminded me of? Uh, once again, I have to search a Rolling Stones album. Oh, God, what is
1: that song called? Oh, I know what you're talking about.
0: I, 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 give me one second.
1: No, what they did on this song is they heard a recording of... Um, you know, like those old recordings they had of Prisoners in the twenty doing like field hollers. Yes. They heard that and they were like, cool. And then it's just not good.
0: Yeah, what song am I thinking of?
1: You got to the...
0: No. It is You Gotta Move. Yeah, got the yes. silver. Oh. No, it's You Gotta Move. Like this part, yeah. This part, this rules because there's slide guitar all over it, <laughs> right? But that kind of lyrics, like just the Whaley kind of yeah. ghost, ghostly sounding. Okay. Back to the doors. Sorry, should I try and find the same spot to get back? No, in? We could just leave that all in. Okay, sure. Yeah. So it reminds me. That's the song I was thinking. It reminds me yeah. so much of "You Got to Move" just in terms of that vocal styling, kind of, and like yeah. the gang vocals and being like a bluesy like. I mean, chain gang song or yeah. work song, really, which is weird for the Doors, though, because we I, don't have a history with the Doors of them being into the blues, really, no. or being that influenced by the blues or southern music or yeah, African American yeah. music in any so, way, really. Right, and so They're so, just so it's art rock,
1: disingenuous to me, as yeah. well as like at least with you got the move, uh, you yeah, got, you, got you got to move. move, yeah. yeah. Um, it's at least that has. Like such killer slide guitar, and I—I it. I mean, it's it's Lil' Mick, right? Um, and he can do no wrong with, with yeah. slide guitar, but this is just like them like, wah, wah, and then they do a stupid clap thing. Yeah, I don't like it. Okay, I would rather just listen to the like Chain yeah. Gang.
0: All of those problems aside, and maybe it's just because the rest of this album is such a disappointment. But it's true. This is, I would say, by far the third best song on the album. <laughs> For me at least, I really like the tambourine, and I like the claps, and I like the gang vocals thing, like, and it's actually kind of just catchy and like a good melody in a way that they haven't had since the first couple songs on this album. So I agree it's not a perfect song, but it's it's much better than the last five I will say, songs I, I think we've heard. I don't
1: like this song, but you might be right about it being third best on the album. Yeah. Which is crazy.
0: That just—I think it's solid. Um, apparently, Robbie Krieger has said that it is by far his least favorite Doors song, which is funny.
1: Yeah, I didn't—I didn't mean I didn't like it. Right. So this
0: is "We Could Be So Good Together."
1: I like that—that that organ riff. And that's about all I can say about this song.
0: Yeah, this song seems promising.
1: Yeah. And then it doesn't really go anywhere. Well, cuz they're kind of but back to doing that cool. uh, Booker T and the M.G.'s yes. thing. Yeah, But then from it's the first like album. then the there's like not But then no once it kicks on it. in here it's
0: nothing. Yeah. Like it's not interesting, it doesn't go anywhere interesting.
1: No, it just sounds like circus music again. Yeah.
0: This really feels like it was left over from their first album Yeah, absolutely It sounds so much like something off the B side of that album Um, Oh, hey (laughs) This was originally recorded for Strange Days So not quite their first album But yeah, it didn't make it onto that So, Alright, so now we have Yes, The River river knows. Knows Wait, now I'm like Oh yeah, okay my notes, I forgot five to one.
1: Um, yes, The River Knows is hmm, my least favorite song on the album.
0: It's really, really bad. It's quite, quite bad, yeah. Uh, this one was the token Robbie Krieger song on the record. Uh, which, yeah, lost historically his has been yeah. good. But yeah, this one, not so good. I guess... I mean, kind of like the last one, it's like, it seems kind of promising, but it just never goes anywhere. Like, like this intro is not the worst thing in the world, but then when the song kind of gets going, it
1: it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's got nothing else. So. It's like, they're kind of trying to do that Beach Boys thing where it's like, it flows from Mm. like a song to another, but then instead it's just kind of a good intro and then a bad rest of the song. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I
0: mean it's kind of interesting just in that they're doing like an actual piano ballad for the first, and they've got the very shushy like lounge drums happening in the back and stuff, which we talked about on the first episode. You mentioned he loves apparently. lounge music, yeah, yeah. Him trying to do that kind of trad pop thing Crooner. with his voice, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of interesting. I mean, it's just interesting that they're doing it, but it's not a good. But song, they did not so. pull it off. Yeah. What is
1: the I kind of like that little bit yeah, where like he's playing piano cool. and he's like doing guitar stuff. Yeah. But like not enough to make it a good song. No. Yeah. I mean,
0: I don't like hate it, but it, again, it just there's nothing really that grabs like after it's over. Yeah. Okay. I don't need to listen to it. Like there's nothing about it that makes me want to keep listening. So, 5 to 1 the one where he was so drunk he could barely finish recording it. <laughs> More fuzz bass.
1: Fuzzbass bass might be the only good part of this uh, song.
0: I feel like it should be good because it's like this um tempo kind of rocker thing, and it I just once I, we can't stop saying it. It goes nowhere. It like goes, it's just yeah. a nothing song.
1: It's like they were. It, it's like Robbie Krieger, John Densmore, and um, Raymond and Eric were like jamming for the intros, yes. and then. Uh, <laughs> And then Jim Morrison was like, "Shut the fuck up for a second, guys. Do something different." And then like just started talking over it. And then it gets bad. Yeah. So I think I like. I do think that Rolling Stone reporter had some had. Yeah, they're pretty much much spot on except for
0: the Strange Days thing, the weird thing where they're like, "But it's Strange Days was a disappointment." Yeah. Yeah. Aside from that, though, I agree. It's pretty spot on.
1: Yeah. Um, it it's
0: just—it's so obviously. Maybe it's a little bit of bias because I read the Wikipedia page pretty early this week when I started listening to it. So yeah. I might be a little biased reading that it was like they didn't have any songs they were writing in studio. Right. But once you hear that, it's so obvious know that, that it's like, oh yeah, these are all half-baked ideas. Yeah. They came up with like one riff and tried to make a whole song about right. it.
1: Right. I didn't know any of that though, and that was <laughs> what this yeah. felt like to me. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I. This is why people think jim morrison is ridiculous like the songs on this album
0: yeah waiting so waiting for the sun is not great no i mean it's just it's bad yeah the first album as we talked about for me at least was hit or miss second album pretty good a lot of hitting yeah Yeah. and then this one yeah just it's you can tell that they kind of ran out of song it's got Two and a half good songs on it, I would say. Like, worth re-listening to. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh... I would say two. It's rough, man. Yeah, it's a rough listen. And I'm... I'm intrigued that it's, like... The idea... It's it's very interesting being so kind of open about the idea of, like... Because I feel like this happens to a lot of bands, and this is why sophomore slumps are a thing with albums, is that bands will... Write their initial songs. They'll like play a bunch of shows with those first like 10 songs and some covers or whatever. Yeah. And then when they get to the studio, they have those songs down. Like they know them backwards right. and forwards. They've worked out all the kinks on them. Um,
1: well, they worked out the kinks on yeah. this album. Exactly. To tell you that
0: much. <laughs> and so they have like this perfect like first album. And then they're like, fuck, now we got to write more songs. We haven't really written songs in like three years because we wrote all these and then just yeah. have been playing them for so long. And so. It's interesting having them be so like upfront about kind of like well he had that sheaf of poems that we started writing off of and now we just kind of ran out yeah and I'm curious especially as he's getting more erratic with drinking and stuff like I wonder how much they're gonna be maybe the songs aren't gonna be that great like you know what I yeah. mean and like they yeah I'm just very curious whether they get back to like the heights of the earlier days yeah in terms of writing, like, some really good songs or if they're always going to be hit or miss from here on out.
1: Well, I think they're trying the Mike Love Don't Fuck With The Formula thing that yes, worked for their does. first album. Yeah, and so then maybe they'll... Like, the, ah. Yeah, I wonder
0: if they get away from that. I know yeah. just based on some other reading I've done about The Doors, I know they get, like, more bluesy and, like, a little bit away from the art rock thing later on. Yeah. So maybe they try and, you know, do that, switch up the sound, but they, I'm it, I'm
1: intrigued. Later on, they, it seems like they get kind of southern rocky. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh you know, he was born in florida or whatever or grew up in florida for a while
0: yeah i can get it i actually until we started i actually really thought he was like a southern guy like i didn't know he moved around a lot as a kid i thought he was from the south fully from like georgia or florida so
1: well florida's not the south but yeah yeah yeah. okay it's southern but
0: (laughs) i mean i get you but i guess yeah whatever
1: it's its own thing
0: so that's
1: that's Waiting for the Sun. Waiting
0: for the Sun, and I'm still waiting for a good album. <laughs> uh, what would you like to rate Waiting for two. the Sun, PJ? A 2 out of 10. Wow. Rough. I, there, there are actually... 11
1: songs on it. There are two songs that are good. <laughs> a That's two a 2 10. out of 10.
0: I actually think I'm... Yeah, I, did, I wasn't thinking about it at all, but mm-hmm. that initially felt low, and now, and now it feels very right. Yeah. Because, yeah, right. I don't think I will ever listen to this full song again and to be honest those first two songs are really good but i'm like i don't even know if they're as good as anything off strange days where i would even yeah listen to those songs that much again i also like i guess if i was forced to make a best of the doors maybe they'd show up on there but right. like
1: aside uh, from that well like hello i love you it's kind of your thing with like good vibrations where it was kind of hard to rate. or not good vibrations um with some of the Rolling stones tracks like yeah. um wild horses things like that where it's like hard to rate because you've heard it a million times. Yeah. Hello I love you has never been one of my like staple Doors songs. Yeah. So, so like
0: it feels a little bit outside of that like cuz even yeah. Break on Through is very poppy but still kind of sounds like the Doors and aside from the keyboard tone, if the keyboard was just like normal keyboards instead of the kind of fuzzy funky yeah thing, I feel like it just wouldn't sound like a Doors song that much cuz it's not very Doorsy.
1: Yeah. And like it's not a bad song, I just think it's hard to you know like rate it. Yeah. Um. And I don't know. It's like I might not go back to any of these songs. Yeah. So.
0: Well, thanks for thanks for sticking with us through the through the lows, the highs and lows of the doors. We're
1: mostly the lows right we're now. We're getting
0: to the soft parade next. I assume it's going to be incredible. Right now we're one meh, one great, one very bad. Like we got to at least be back up to like a. Uh, you know a half good album i guess right i hope uh, i don't know i hope the doors don't slump that hard
1: <laughs> they might thin ice already yeah we'll find out next week on
0: yeah. the 27, the 27 club. club thanks for listening uh pj i'll see you at the crossroads my friend
1: and i'll see you on the other side of that door <laughs> A Beach Boys Boys production.